What's good, everybody? This is Fraternal Football. I'm Cameron. I'm Zach. What's good, guys? This is Fraternal Football, episode uh, 39, right? Mm-hmm. The last of uh, season two. <laughs> you ran- yes. You know, we yes. never end on an even number, of course. <laughs> no. Well, um, I mean, it's because it goes 20 episodes, and that's just how the math works on that. Oh, okay, okay. See, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't explained to you about this. <laughs> uh, it, it's only really useful for Apple Podcasts, but we do it anyway, or I do. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Um. Well, we uh, unfortunately missed. Uh, last week. Uh, we were Pretty just much really busy. Week. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't a ton of notable things, thankfully. But uh, one of the most notable and kind of funny things was Ryan Tannehill saying that uh, he doesn't think it's his job to mentor Malik Willis. You know, mm-hmm. uh, what, are, what, are, what are your initial thoughts on that, Cam? Uh, I, I was kind of on both camps on this one for different reasons. Uh, I do get that it's hard to take um that bad of a loss that they did in the playoffs last year where he threw three picks and lost at home as the number one seed uh to a team that barely made the playoffs but um he's been by and large pretty good for them consistently for several years completely turned his career around uh not top 10 but definitely in those teens um and they've made the AFC title game, you could say not because of him, but he was the tenured quarterback. So, um, well, at the same time, he, I think he's owed like 35 mil. It's a massive cap number for a quarterback that recently hasn't been performing when you need him to. Um, and you could tell that by their moves and they've just torn down their whole offense, traded AJ Brown, drafted a quarterback, even if it's third round. And I see why he'd be mad. At the same day, at the same time, you he's uh, have to swallow your pride um, or your ego as Ryan Tannehill and and lead the team, man. Like yeah, like, I think you make a lot of valid points. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, especially you bring up last year's playoff performance. It I I always kind of thought last year they weren't really a true contender. I know they had a lot of buzz going into playoffs and being the number one seed, but to me, it just didn't feel like they were the best team in the AFC. The AFC was just really close. And they managed, yeah, they just managed to scrap their way to the top. Uh, mainly because I'd say they kind of have one of the weaker divisions in football. Oh, easily. So. Uh, I, I, Tannehill's just not really inspiring with this play. He had a really hot year a couple years ago when he placed Marcus Mariota and torched the Raiders. You know, yeah, he, he, I mean, he was killing it. He, one of the best touchdown interception ratios that season. His yards per attempt was above nine, I believe, which is insane. Uh-huh. But you have to realize, and I think there's just something missing. From him, he doesn't, to me, at least speak as a, like, 
Super Bowl level quarterback. And that that's why I'd always also agree with your point of him not really being top 10. I think he's always kind of just outside that in his best years, but I'd say for the it's majority like 14, of his career, he's probably 15. in that, yeah, that 14, maybe like 16, even at his lowest, maybe when he was with the Dolphins. Like he was never <laughs> truly uh, a top tier quarterback, aside from maybe a few stretches per year. So I I, on, I honestly kind of like the Malik Willis pick. I, I don't think he will start over Tannehill because, like you said, they do owe him quite a bit. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Malik Willis is on a four-year deal, so they got time. and he'll, he'll probably almost definitely outlast Tannehill there. So I think with them, it's kind of a waiting game. Oh, wow. Yeah. You always think he's like 31 or 32 at most, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Nah, he's, he's up there. Old. Yeah. Yeah, I I can't see uh, Malik Willis not getting an opportunity maybe as soon as the season following this one. Like, But next year, yeah, it's going to be the Tannehill show again. I think that's going to be his final chance. They scrapped his weapons. So this is kind of them saying you're on your own now. We tried to give you help. Now oh, yeah. prove to us they why you're right back down. Yeah, <laughs> prove to us why you're the guy for this job. And uh, I I just don't think he's gonna do it. So I think that's why he's feeling the pressure. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it can't feel nice <laughs> when everyone automatically says, "All right, get him out," <laughs> on yeah. like every social media outlet or. Everyone's talking about how Malik Willis is going to oust Ryan Tannehill there. Um, yeah, I was just watching uh, Any Given Sunday on, on Netflix. And, of course, in that with Jamie Foxx is the third stringer who gets an opportunity. Uh, it's Willie Beeman. Yeah, Willie Beeman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I could see, uh, you know, hopefully Tannehill doesn't get injured, but at some point Malik Willis takes over for uh, the captain there and um, yeah, hopefully he doesn't puke on the field like Jamie Foxx did. <laughs> that was, uh, I, I was, I was just eating, I stuck my hand in a bag of kettle chips and I was just about to eat them too. But um, yeah, I'd like to see Malik Willis get a shot and I hope Tannehill does kind of mentor him and Kurt Warner did say, you know, reach out. Um, I think that's what makes, uh, signal caller is great, truly. Yeah. Now, I I kind of feel like Tannehill will change his motive, you know. I mean, everyone's a little surly at first. I don't I don't really see Tannehill as Carson Wentz in that regard, how Carson Wentz got really, like, insecure. He just back with the Eagles. <laughs> and I don't see that from Tannehill, so I think he'll kind of recant this a little bit. And I It'll be more like Rodgers and Love, although I'm not saying Tannehill is anywhere near the talent of Aaron Rodgers. I just mean in the relationship dynamic. I think it'll kind of be like that, where there's a little bit of saltiness, but at the same time, they just probably will get along as people. Um, but no, I'm, I'm honestly really excited for Malik Willis in Tennessee. I think that's a really good pickup for them. And... Mm-hmm. I think I think that is a general feeling, and that's kind of why Tannehill feels a little 
a little Amazi, you know? I mean, because even he knows, damn, that's a good pick. Like, why else would he be feeling insecure about it, you know? And that uh, that kind of brings us to another topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a trade in the draft uh, for Marquise Brown. Um, we're not really going to get into it, I don't think, from the Ravens' perspective. I mean, I think it was kind of oh, good business. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're like, <laughs> I think that was, was time to move on. Yeah. Like, they basically got three years out of them um, and then traded them for, like, the same pick they got them for, except, like, maybe two spots up. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I I don't blame the Ravens for trading them. I think for the Cardinals, it's a little bit more indicative of what they see in their future than it is for uh, the Ravens, for sure. And uh, saying that, Cameron had a very good point to all of this. Um, would you like to share that? Oh, was that uh, – we all saw that DeAndre Hopkins got suspended six games for PEDs. Um, I couldn't figure out what they were because every post I saw on social media was someone like memeing. So it, like I couldn't tell what it was exactly, but uh, he, anyways, he suspended six games. That's what a third of the season. Um, they he'll be out. And we thought initially, or at least I thought that they bought pretty high on Marquise Brown and it didn't seem clear as to why, uh, when they could have had, you know, just made their first round pick and uh, perhaps got better value. But it then it, I've had the thought that maybe it was perfect at all lines that they knew that D Hop was going to get suspended uh, a week or two, I think, before he actually did uh, officially. I don't know how long that process takes, but and that, that Marquise Brown will just fill in the gap and then it'll make more sense that way. <laughs> Um, and to please Kyler, of course, because uh, they're, they're not giving them the money. They would have done it by now, but they want to make them happy some way, you know, through their actions. Yeah. Um, I kind of wasn't surprised by DeAndre Hawkins getting busted, um, namely because there's been a few of his former teammates that so, um, the Texan connection there. Yeah, there's two other former Texans receivers. I mean, I'm sure they're boys, and this this may or may not be related, but I, I, I kind of wasn't surprised. Will Fuller was busted, I think, last year. Or the – was it last year or the year before? It's not been twice, maybe. I, I think it's been at least And then twice. Kenny Stills was also busted, I believe, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So, I – I don't know if maybe that's a, just a Texans thing, <laughs> but um, I don't know. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a little older. This is kind of that time where that happens. I, I definitely believe, like Cameron said, that the Cardinals knew this was going to happen. And they must get some weird advance notice that perhaps we just don't. Yeah, I'm sure. And it makes the Marquise Brown trade seem a little bit more reasonable. They definitely uh, but bought at the same high. time, they did did buy a little high. 
considering the Ravens were willing to let him go that quickly and for basically what they got him for means they weren't sold on him either, you know? Mm-hmm. And I do kind of think it'll appease Kaiser to an extent, or I say Kaiser, Kyler, but <laughs> I actually believe that Marquise Brown, in, whether Kyler is appeased by him being there or not, fits really well in Cliff Kingsbury's system. He's kind of the prototypical little slot. Um, I know the Ravens didn't always use him in the slot. Sometimes they'd have him on outside fades and whatnot. But he he's kind of what they were hoping Andy Isabella could turn into. Um, kind of like uh, the rookie they had last year. His name's escaping me right now. Uh, wide receiver. Oh, Rondell Moore. Purdue. Rondell Moore. Kind of who he is. I think they're very similar in that aspect. So I don't really think they're going to miss a beat without Hopkins and that that kind of is also going to give Kyler a little bit of chance to develop chemistry with Marquise Brown in his wake, you know, since he won't be relying on him as much, he'll be able to kind of build up that chemistry with uh, Marquise Brown. And then, so hopefully by the time Hopkins gets back, there's just a really cohesive unit. So I could honestly see that receiving core being pretty scary next year. Hmm. Um, my thing is, uh, I know I haven't really uh, looked at Marquise Brown as a number one wide receiver, as more at best, really a, an upper tier number two. But this would be the second time that a team has looked at him and said that he's worth being a number one. The Ravens, he was their number one, and now he's the Cardinals. Um, so maybe I, I think he's kind of an give credit. number one, though, you know, like uh, – Hopkins is the number one, but he's just going to be their number one in his absence, yeah. probably. But they are asking him to fill that gap, which means they trust them yeah, enough I mean, to do that. I do think them spending a first rounder on him means they see long term, uh, like plans with him. You know, like it's not like uh, they're going to spend this first rounder and only keep him for a couple of years or the remainder of this rookie deal. I think this almost guarantees they're going to extend him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means he probably even outlasts D-Hop in Arizona. I mean, who he knows? I, I'm not sure how many years D-Hop has left or what Marquise Brown future extension will be, but I think the writing's on the wall for that, so I could definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of players who uh, will start next year, possibly be number ones. No, I don't think – well – Maybe a couple of these guys. <laughs> There's some rookies that Cameron and I uh, think will start. And uh, you just want to preface this. Yeah, I did. Okay, uh, cool. <laughs> I'm entirely I, relying I upon wanna, you here. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say that we're, we didn't want to go with, like, the obvious ones, like Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, yeah, no crap. He's going to start for the Lions next year. You I know? hope so, you know. So, <laughs> so we, we need that blue color spirit. <laughs> yeah, who face a little bit more competition on their team, or are maybe forced into an expectation by maybe a not a good value of a draft pick per se. So, uh, with that in mind, that brings us to the the latter, uh, Jamison Williams. Mm-hmm. 
I think because he was picked so high, he is kind of obligated to start next year. Um, and Cameron and I talked about this before the pod. Jared Goff throws a nice deep ball, but he's kind of the guy who needs those deep balls schemed open. And Dan Campbell's not going to scheme open <laughs> random deep balls for Jared Goff to drop it to Jameson Williams. <laughs> so I just didn't really like the pick. And because he's picked, was it 12? Yes. Or the, they traded with 12? the Vikings for number 12, which for the Vikings, you got to say, what the heck was that trade, man? <laughs> <laughs> they gave the division yeah. rival a, a deep threat and got a worse player. In the a deep threat who might never get targeted. <laughs> and they could have just picked Cal like, Hamilton. <laughs> I, I see Jamison Williams getting a lot of comparisons to uh, Jalen Waddle. Uh, no, they're like not that. really the same because Jalen Waddle is kind of a short intermediate route runner, maneuvers a slot quite often. Jamison Williams is more of that traditional deep threat. I'm sure with time he can get in the slot, do all that stuff. I just didn't see a lot of that from him in college. Actually, the guy that was his teammate in college that I saw a lot of that at, we are talking about later. Um, hmm. But what, what do you think about James Williams? Do you, you think he's going to start next year? I think they're, yeah, they're forced into it. <laughs> I mean, once they drafted him, everyone immediately said, oh, there's Detroit's number one. <laughs> like, completely... Uh, Disregarding Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, DJ Chark, yeah, that's all. They they really beefed up their receiver core, uh, but still, Jamison Williams just has uh, enormous expectations. With somehow out of nowhere, I mean, I'm not huge. I don't believe ACLs are a make or break, but how did Jamison Williams be number one on people's boards? I have no clue. Um, but yeah, just, I don't like the team fit, but they're going to try it and throw him out there, and he's just going to keep running empty routes. Uh, and I don't know, maybe Jared Goff will get him a really pretty deep ball every so often. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Once every few weeks. I mentioned uh, his teammate in college, the guy who kind of often took that slot role. His name is John Mechie. He got drafted by the Texans, as Cameron informed me today. <laughs> you want to hear my rationale for that? Yeah. I think the Texans literally just don't have anybody better than him, even though he's a second-round wide receiver. Aside from Cooks. Bad, but you don't expect them to be game-breakers immediately. And they, they only have, yeah, Brandon Cooks. That's it. <laughs> so he, he's just yeah, gonna no, say because there's no one else <laughs> I can see that I, I remember him being a really touted prospect out of high school he's been a big kind of prospect his whole life I uh, like he's, gonna, he's gonna get playing time you know sorry what were you saying so I kind of like him I wouldn't be surprised if he was actually better than Jameson Williams yeah no I can see it's it not as he, fast. he 
definitely strikes me as uh, one of the second round wide receivers who can really make an impact in the league. Yeah. Like Devontae maybe Adam. not necessarily. I was gonna say not maybe not necessarily to <laughs> Devonte Adams' extent, but there's been a lot of second round wide receivers over the mm-hmm. over the years, you know, that have been good players, and I can definitely see that with John Mechie. Uh, that actually brings us to another receiver and another second round receiver. Um, I know Cameron was really high on this guy, so maybe he wants to lead us off. Did I did I say Pickens? Or no, Skymore. No. Skymore. Skymore. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I liked him to begin with, not only because he's from my favorite Michigan school, <laughs> Western Michigan, uh, one of the directionals, if you will. Um, but they, they've produced some good guys. Uh, Corey Davis um, was probably their best one. But they're kind of one of those schools every now and then produces one of those guys. And I think Sky Moore has a tremendous ceiling. And I hate, I both love and hate that he went to the Chiefs because they got like ridiculous value. I think what, 54 or 44, uh, middle of the second uh, for a player that could, that could be the best player or best receiver in the draft. Not best player, but um just I love the fit I love the ceiling there's nothing he'll start right away yeah in a committee approach to the Tyreek Hill deal yeah I think the Chiefs are really embracing that committee approach this year um bringing in uh they brought in Juju right yep and uh Juju and a couple guys you're forgetting oh uh, um Scantling. Scantling yeah yeah I, uh, I, I kind of like that idea. You know, it's going to – you're just going to give Mahomes a bunch of different guys to throw to, see who he likes, you know. I'm they sure a different skill sets. couple of those guys are going to get moved on from, you know, but that's just how the league works. But I, I kind of like the, the approach. And likewise, getting Sky Moore, a guy who a lot of people had as like a fringe first-round pick, and, and honestly, the Packers probably should have – with maybe one of their picks. I was saying Christian um, Watson, Sky Moore. I got so one. I, I like to pick a lot too. I can see him getting a lot of playing time. Um, I, I just, it depends what his role is. I could see him, I can't truly see him be the number one out the gate, but I can kind of see him develop into that role over time. Maybe even throughout the course of just this first season, kind of like how Jamar Chase did. Not well, maybe not as explosively on the scene, but uh, maybe that's you not know what he, he might be. It's that <laughs> guy who just makes that really crazy play every so often. And you're like, who's that? But yeah, maybe really like a Kyle Pitts was for Atlanta. Yeah, except you know, not a as guy who quietly producing. had a pretty damn good year. Yeah. I think almost a thousand yards, if not a thousand. Yeah, I think is he only had one touchdown was the the thing though, right? Oh, he had a Calvin Johnson season. Yeah, <laughs> or Julio Jones year. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the maybe it's just the Falcons. It might be. <laughs> it might be. Um, that brings us to the only quarterback we're going to be talking about on this list. Uh, the guy with Kenny small hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Small Hands, Mr. Uh, 
apparently Donald Trump has small hands. I'm like Cameron. Oh, did you this. see that uh that Family Guy episode? It's great. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> They're so tiny, right? I was like, oh, it's Kenny Pickett. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Uh, Kenny Trump uh, or uh, Pick- Pickett Donald or what was that again? We, yeah, we should go Pickett Donald. <laughs> Donald Pickett. <laughs> um, Mr. Tiny Hands, he is probably almost guaranteed to start at least after four games at minimum, I'd say. You know, assuming the ball just doesn't fall right out when it gets a little icy. Yeah, I look big overdraft now that we see where the other quarterbacks went. And I'd say I kind of like some of the other quarterbacks around his talent level or better. So the fact that they all kind of went in the third while he was toward the end of the first, it kind of just obligates the Steelers to start him. And I don't necessarily think that's the best idea. I think Trubisky has something to prove. And I could actually see the Steelers being a fringe playoff team uh, with the right kind of motivation. But I don't really see that with Pickett starting most of the year. I only kind of see that as Trubisky starting. So while I do think Kenny Pickett will start, I don't necessarily think it's the best idea. Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree with you on that. Um, it didn't. Uh, oh, I'll check that in a second. I forgot where Desmond Ritter went. Oh, third round too. Yeah, seventy four. Um, yeah, they were all. Yeah, you gotta you gotta only interpret that as that um, they were clearly trying to go for the the high floor, low ceiling, safe picks. I guess a quarterback, if you will. Um, but Kenny Pickett will probably just start, if anything, because Trubisky is underwhelming. Like, are you really going to bring possible. a lot of fans into the seats with Trubisky starting? Maybe not. Um, so just for the excitement factor and the, you know, perceptive glass ceiling there to be broken. Um, I don't like Kenny, but you could argue just because he's unknown at the NFL level, he offers more. And yeah. And I mean, he, he does have his it. value as being just drafted. Yeah. And I think just, also just look uh, at the, uh, that press conference think, photo, him and Tomlin. The ghost Tomlin of looks Dan like a Marino. proud dad. <laughs> oh, the, the ghost the of passing on Dan Marino. Yeah. The, they were, they just the couldn't one. pass on a pit quarterback. <laughs> Because what, what happened last last time, just to uh, enlighten the audience there? Uh, well, possibly the first ever modern quarterback to the NFL. The first guy to throw for 5,000 yards in the season. Won MVP in his second season. Uh, yeah. Of course, I'm referring to Dan Marino. Dolphin great. Steelers just have to draft every pit quarterback now. Yeah. <laughs> As high well, as at least until uh, Kenny Pickett flops, <laughs> if he does. Hopefully, he doesn't. Not yeah. not rooting on your downfall, Kenny. <laughs> I mean, uh, just... yeah. we'll see him when the uh, when the the weather and all those inexplicably open stadiums comes around and come December there. 
does Pitt play in a dome? No, literally all those teams that really need a dome don't have a dome, and all the teams that or, do or don't but college do have one. Pit. Yeah, and basically what, what do they, they play? They do? The SEC. They play like Atlantic Coast teams, like Clemson, South Carolina, Florida State, Miami. That's all. The ACC is basically the AFC South. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So he's never played in Cincinnati, in in Pittsburgh, in all those AFC North locations that are all prone to bad weather. He didn't he grow up in uh, Pittsburgh? Oh yeah, he might have. I don't. I don't know on that one. I'm I'm sure to an extent he's used to it, but you know, at the NFL level, throwing the ball around, the weather does play a big factor. We've seen it with Andy Dalton for years. <laughs> Not only I mean, you know, there's been several guys. I feel like a lot of a lot of people like to write that off as oh, that's you know an excuse or whatever, but like it actually does affect every part of your game. Especially oh, yeah. you could see the Green Bay Packers put up 10 points in their last game against the 49ers, had one offensive touchdown because the guys can't separate down the field during the, the winter storms there. Yeah, and like you can say, oh well, they practice in it; they're used to it. But it's not the human an body does not. Yeah, the human body does not get used to that kind of weather. You're not like you just as soon as it. these guys are finishing practice, they're getting back in their warm homes. They're like you know, like they're getting warm. They're not accustomed to that. No one is. So yeah, they like you said, they're just expecting it. Like doesn't really do people, mean they have the advantage. Do people think that they just go and like? stand in a blizzard and just go yeah i'm just toughening up for the postseason like <laughs> yeah no. like Don't if they want that. to talk about an advantage then the only one i really can think of is denver being so high of an Mile altitude high. compared to most yeah. of the others that those athletes probably you know i mean you can definitely kick farther we've seen it <laughs> so Hey, the record's been tied and broken the last two times for the longest field goal and rightfully held by Justin Tucker now. Hey, so uh, I just but, – that's that's the only one I see. But speaking of, of quarterbacks that may or may not get a shot next year, I'm just going to float uh, Desmond Ritter uh, because I saw that uh, quote by PFF or that they got. Um, saying I'm not leaving Atlanta until I get the Super Bowl, and the the top comment underneath that was was Desmond Ritter, but his hairline just moved back and his hair a little grayer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, emphasizing the fact, of course, that he looks like a forty year old. Oh, <laughs> uh, like people are just clowning on him for being old, and he's like twenty two <laughs> or something like that. Um, I, I know Cameron and I kind of were a little harsh in draft process for Desmond Ritter. Um, he was the first quarterback taken after Kenny Pickett, which no, someone had him number one. I believe. No, Desmond Ritter, Falcons. Are you sure about that? I thought it was Malik Willis, then Matt Corral, then Desmond Ritter. Oh, let me confirm here. Well, it does was the fourth. 
Um, let's see. No, no one in the second, right? Yeah. No. Um, nope, Desmond Ritter picked 10 of the third round, 74. And then, like, 10 picks later, Malik Willis, 86. Interesting. I don't know. I, I think there's lots of life in his arm. Um, I just didn't see the consistent ball placement that you kind of just expect out of a good prospect. That I mean, he was in the third round, though. So there's, like, no expectations for him to be good right away. And I think that's the best thing possible for any rookie is no no real expectations. So there's really only room to go up. Um, only way it on his shoulders are going to be his pads. Yeah. The clipboard. Um, I will say I also am a little biased when it comes to the situation, being a Panthers fan. <laughs> I, I'm not rooting for the guy to be bad, but uh, I just hope he loses the Panthers every year. No, of course. And I hope he has his worst games against the Panthers. I hope he makes his first start. Well, it looks like Burns and them boys. It looks like at that rate, then uh, he he'll just lose his hair from playing the Panthers. It seems. Yeah. (laughs) They'll 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 go in and and physically move his hairline back and make him look older. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's how bad between uh, Cameron Jordan. (laughs) There's Cameron Jordan and Dakamon Sue, Lodi Nada, Brian Burns. There's a, a lot of big boys. Derek Brown. A lot of guys in that defensive line in that division. <laughs> that, that's that's a really – maybe that's why no quarterback wants to go there. <laughs> they're looking at all the D-lines. A lot lines of guys. Like, no way. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're, there's a lot of fast and a lot of big guys. Like, it's not like – it's not really like the Aaron Donalds. Like, you don't get the truly super gifted athletes, but you're getting really, really, like – whip around the edge pass rushes in that division and you're getting a lot of guys who are just gonna bolt collapse the pocket right down the middle especially in tampa sure oh for sure uh, i got one more thing that i just saw that i i felt that we needed to at least bring up uh because it's so ridiculous and uh that was a quote attributed to pete carroll um on a sport radio show saying uh in reference to drew lock he'd have been the first QB taken in this draft. I don't have any hesitation saying that. Given that they didn't pick a quarterback at all and that the highest quarterback picked in that draft where we kind of rag on because he wasn't worth being that high pick. Um, does that even mean anything? I, I think he's like basically telling you guys, I'm not going to waste my time picking one of these guys when I can just suck this year and get Bryce Young. <laughs> they do have uh, in this mock I have right here, uh, they do have mocks number one to the uh, Texans. Yeah, I, I kind of, I don't know. I, I trust uh, Davis Mills way more than I trust Drew Locke to win football games. Oh, very uh very cool for you if uh Macrell doesn't work out you're uh, allegedly getting Tanner McKee at number six next year don't even know who that is <laughs> yeah me neither um uh, if we're if we're really bad next year and we don't get Bryce Young 
then you know yeah. why not just run it back again with Matt Corral and hope he's up again. <laughs> Take a, a second tackle. Yeah. Hey. Well, you know, honestly, our offensive line is kind of on the ups. I like uh, a yeah. lot of the guys, and we've kind of rebuilt it. CJ Stroud's get... more of a pocket guy, but, but he does have a big arm. I, I'm a little hesitant because he's more of a pocket guy, kind of in the way Haskins was. Like, he's not going to be moving around a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the way we've been investing in our offensive line, maybe that's the route we could go. So if we don't get Bryce Young, I wouldn't be too mad. But I do think Bryce Young is going to be the – he's the prize next draft season, I believe. Oh, 100%. He just won the Heisman, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, it, without a doubt. Oh, then now, before we get carried away, sorry, uh, go ahead. Oh, go for it. I'm good. I was going to say, we have one more guy to talk about, uh, Trent McDuffie. Is that another Chiefs pick? Another Chiefs pick. I know Cameron, Cameron's like hating that the Chiefs drafted so well. But it seems like they're doing it every year, too. Oh, yeah. It seems like every year. Like, last year, I loved their draft with Creed Humphrey and them boys. And this year, I love their draft. The Chiefs Chiefs have been drafting really well as of the last couple of years. And uh, I, I love Trent McDuffie as a prospect. It literally pained me and Cameron to watch the Patriots trade out of this pick and, and watch pick the pick. Cole Strange. <laughs> And but like Trent McDuffie was the guy we had pegged for the Patriots, and the fact that they traded out of the spot that nabbed him, it just it was. It's like they didn't want us to get right or something. (laughs) Yeah, that was like the exact opposite. I mean, I guess we got the pick right, just not the team in that regard. Yeah, I'll, Um, I'll take that. But Trent McDuffie, I think he's gonna play right away. Uh, the Chiefs, they let Trent, Tyron Matthew go. I don't think he's really going to slide into a safety kind of role, but they're kind of the fairly. Oh, yeah, I know. Unfortunately, <laughs> they got um, a pretty sweet secondary. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, McDuffie's going to get a lot of playing time. He'll probably move around. They kind of have an amorphous secondary in the. Uh, the Chiefs dumb. So uh, I, I kind of expect him to play right away. I wouldn't be surprised if he's if not their number one or two corner, probably their starting slot corner. I can see that almost right away. Uh, so mm-hmm. I really like that pick. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot to like. I, I love that almost as much as the Patriots mock. <laughs> That he fits with the Chiefs so well. Yeah, they they they're not as complicated as a defense system, I'd say, as Patriots. I mean, but who is? <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think the Chiefs like to run a lot of one-on-one coverage. Let a they like to get their corners involved and in baiting off picks, and they're not really the team to kind of sit back in zone coverage and just let you dink and dunk down the field. They like to play a little aggressive on defense, and I think he fits that really well. Yeah, and uh, for, um, you know, the Patriots didn't add a corner, but 
You just wait for J.C. Jackson to come back around in a couple of years, as they all do. <laughs> just like Trent Brown. Yeah, when he inevitably finds less success yep. with his new team. He, he just scoops them right back up. It's insane. Yeah, it, that's just the – it's like the tail of the Patriots corner. It makes no sense, but somehow always happens. He just finesses everybody into buying high, and then he gets back the rewards at a discount. Well, I mean, I would say he used to. Lately, lately, maybe not so much. That's fair. Um, that was there any uh, other subjects you want to talk about? No, I just wanted to make sure that uh, I said that uh, we're out on Drew Lock. No, <laughs> because uh, yeah, I think we said that like, rallying around him last year. <laughs> Oh, we're, we're yeah, re-upping we've been, it. We've been re-upping it. Yeah, we're we are forever out on Drew Lock. So and you know what? Drew Lock is the bridge to a new quarterback. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of flipping my opinion on Justin Fields. I, I'm now out on Fields. I've been out on Fields, man. Well, okay. I waited to see if the new Bears regime was going to put any faith in him and they had put no faith in him whatsoever as evidenced by not helping him even a, a tad bit during this entire offseason like they didn't draft anybody and they didn't sign anybody so yeah he's he's going to fail no matter what I think they're kind of dealing with the mess right now though to be fair but they didn't even regardless add anybody bro I, I just I think everyone is looking toward next year's draft and thinking, I think that's better than what I have. Uh, that's good. Bryson is kind of like that dude. Um, I think Kyler Murray mixed with Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck almost. Like, dude is incredible. And Maybe the Bears are just like, hey, we're giving you this year, Justin Fields, show us what you do, or we're drafting somebody. And they're just hoping we, probably who everyone's hoping it'll be next year. Are we going to hope that it's better than, than the time we had for uh, Tink for Tua? <laughs> that was uh, quite underwhelming. Yeah. Or I fell for a card. I think Tua, though. Okay, but Cardell wasn't. <laughs> deemed the first round pick that was just kind of Browns fans hoping some nonsense would happen <laughs> they they got um, like a little cult following at, at a certain point there hey man I, I liked Ohio State then so it was cool to see Cardo Doug from the championship like that but uh two I think Tua just wasn't the same level of prospect I think a lot of his hype had to do with him being a lefty, first of all, coming in and replacing Jalen Hurts, who had a big, huge kind of cult following, too. He, he won me money. I bet on that right, championship yeah. game, and he came back and, so, and won me. I think that kind of can make or break a prospect sometimes, like where people, they don't really see some of the flaws. Like, to a... Tua had a little bit more mobility in college, but you have to think people are a little slower in college. 
And not only that, the hip injury suffered was pretty significant as far as I'm aware. He's just not necessarily the same athlete at the NFL level. He doesn't recreate with his feet like he could in college. And I, I don't think that was something that people could really see because I don't think the hip injury was as uh, – everyone was aware that it was as bad as it was. Um, mm-hmm. I'll also, I think what made him a good prospect was the way he would flip his hips the way Rodgers does, where he doesn't mm-hmm. really have to throw his whole body into a throw and he put a lot of velocity on his throws. But his rookie season and last season, I was watching a breakdown – and it was talking about how Tua is not using his hips as much as throwing, which was obviously a red flag to me because that was one of his strengths coming out of college. <laughs> uh, I think that has a lot to do with the struggles. So because that offensive Sorry, line is saying? just really shaky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot, I wouldn't want to be throwing the hip I messed up freaking into a three hundred pound dude right away either. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, the Dolphins' offense line is not good. I don't. Know. <laughs> and so uh, it's not like he has much time. Yeah. Did Did he not? Oh no, he must have been right behind uh Joe Burrow, probably in sacks allowed, huh? Uh, At least forty. I'm, I'm not sure. I know they tried to mitigate that a little bit by running a ton of RPOs. Is that how Jalen so, Waddle had I mean, 100 catches? Yeah. Dude is catching <laughs> a lot of bubble screens, a lot of slants, a lot of. Or wait, he, he had RPOs. more. He had more than 100 catches. That dude is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that also has to do with his pretty low yard per catch average, though. I think it was in the nine. I think you're right. Yeah. He had like a 100 run pro season. Yeah, I think Renfro had above 10 yards for catch, no? I think it might have been around there. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, Juju like Smith has kind of been that guy. Barely over 1,000 yards. Yeah, Juju, Juju has Smith been, has yeah. been that guy in the past, and Landry is the definition of that kind of receiver. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, those guys have value. Oh, yeah, and then... um. Speaking of two, I might have a probably a rant on the next one about um because I, I thought that we'd have a conversation about uh teams that made like all the right moves uh and yet still won't move the needle win loss wise. Oh because the AFC hey, is so loaded. Like the Bengals did all these right moves, right? As an example, and we think they'll miss playoffs because there's yeah. just a better conference. I feel like that I think that's a great thing. idea. There's a little teaser for you guys. The those of you who are probably this far. Uh, another uh, there there will be a surprise uh, that I will include on that list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, I think uh, we covered about pretty much everything. Yeah, this uh, has been the conclusion of season two for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, just cuz. <laughs> go go look on the, the Apple Apple podcast saying it, it organizes it very nicely. For <laughs> <laughs> that guys. Peace. Peace. 
Check us out on Instagram at Fraternal Football Podcast. Twitter coming soon. We're getting a social media presence going. Also, we are on like eight different podcasting services, including Spotify, which you're most likely listening to, Apple Podcasts now, Stitcher, uh, like five more. Check us out on a variety. Uh, we got stickers everywhere. Slide into our DMs on social media. Engage. Maybe you want to be on the show. Let us know. We're out there and we're available. Also, if you like the content you hear in this podcast, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. If there's ability to rate, go ahead and give us all those stars. We appreciate you for it. This episode is brought to you by HowToPest. Go to howtopest.com for your pest control needs. They're absolutely crushing it. What are you waiting for? This has been Fraternal Football. Cam and Zach signing off.